introduce Michael Hansen, our Ooh. senior pastor. Michael Whoa. is going to be starting Don't. a new series today. So let's let's All give right. it up for Michael. Wow. You know, didn't you think that picture of Danny? All I could think was Sean Connery. Didn't you think that? What a handsome! I would go to that group just because the leader's so handsome. <laughs> okay. Did you say you're sick? Oh, I'm trying to throw. I'm throwing out a bone there. That's okay. Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to see everyone. And and uh, don't you find? I was thinking yesterday. This uh, global warming, global cooling, global warming, global cooling trend that we're in, it's really hard to know what to, how to get dressed in the morning. Don't you find that? Like, do you wear long sleeve or short sleeved uh, trousers when you head out the door? But, uh, okay, now we've broken the ice, let's go. So, um, I said two weekends ago that we would be, or I would be kicking off a new series, and the, uh, the title of our new series is The Kings. Look at that. We are a hip church. We spare no expense for your uh, church experience, but we're going to be looking at about a dozen uh, Old Testament kings, and this will take us to, uh, to the beginning of June. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament books, uh, First, Second Kings, uh, First, Second Chronicles, you, you would know that there are a lot of wonderful and sometimes weird stories in, in those books. And one of the challenges in a series like this is, is getting beyond the cool stories to discover, well, okay, what is God saying to us today? In the 20, you know, here uh, in the 21st century, and JT and I were discussing the series, and he made a comment. He said, you know, it's like after the story, we need to get to the so what, right? That's a great story. That's some good information, but we need to get to the so what. We need to get, what's that sort of zinger that's going to get us in the heart? And here's, here's one of the things that gives me confidence as we move into this series, that, that that's going to happen. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right, so Paul wrote this to his, uh, his young Padawan, Timothy. And at the time of this writing, Paul, there was no testament. Right? There, he wasn't standing there with a, a New Testament in his hand. He wasn't standing in Lifeway Christian books saying, see all these resources, Timothy. You know? Basically, what Paul would have been holding in his hand, well, not holding in his hand because it would have been a, uh, multiple scrolls, but what he would have been referring to is what was called, the, or is called the Septuagint. And it's a Greek translation of the old uh, the Hebrew Old Testament so when Paul said all scripture is God breathed you know it's useful for teaching rebuking correcting on and on he was thinking about the stories that we're going to be looking at as we go through uh, the series of all these kings and you may have heard this before I've heard uh, preachers put it this way but when we when we read the Bible, when we study the Bible, it's like, it's like holding up a mirror in front of us, right? This is in your notes. The Bible is like a mirror. There's something about the Word of God that when we, when we read it, when we study it, it's like we're holding it up or we're seeing, we're looking at ourselves in it. It's not just any old mirror. It's, it's the mirror. It's the standard, right? The Word of God is, uh, it's alive. It's active. The Word of God reveals. The Word of God has a way of getting through our defenses and our masks and all this stuff and getting right to the heart. It has a way of cutting into and exposing, like, what do we really believe? 
Right? What do we really think is important in life? And, and it's not to embarrass, it's not to condemn, it's not to uh, discourage. But the purpose is, uh, Philippians 1.6, and we don't have a slide, Laurie. Philippians 1.6, uh, Paul says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in us is faithful to finish it. Right? To stand in front of the, the mirror of God's word, it's, it's, it's one of the ways, one of the key ways that God continues that work that he does in our lives. Right? Have you ever experienced where you're reading a verse and, and maybe you've read it numerous times or you're listening to a message and you've heard that little story in the Bible hundreds of times and all of a sudden it just comes alive and thunk, it just nails you. Like, man, I never saw that before. Well, during this series, we're gonna have lots of opportunities as a church, as individuals, to just come and stand before the, the mirror of God's word and let him search our hearts. So what I'm gonna be doing today is uh, I'm gonna be setting the table, so to speak, for this series. So let's pray, and then we will uh, we'll jump into the notes. Let's pray. So Lord, thanks for um, uh, just today, another opportunity to get together. Thanks for just everyone that's here. Lord, if they're visiting, if they've been here for years and years, just I thank you for every person in this room, and I thank you that you, you know us. There's nothing in this room that you don't see. There's nothing that's happened in every life here that you're not fully familiar with. And I just pray that that, would, uh, that truth would just cause us all to relax. We're in good hands in your presence. Lord, so just come. Uh, come, be personal with us today. We welcome you here in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so number one in your notes is uh, background and context. And uh, like I said, I'm gonna be setting the table you know, uh, for the rest of this series. And then next weekend, Danny is going to look at our first king and that's gonna be King, uh, king Solomon. And just as an FYI, we're not gonna be looking at Saul who was the first king of Israel or David who was the second king of Israel. And we chose not to uh, look at those guys because they're probably the most known of the kings. We would, we would rather look at some kings that get, uh, I mean, there's no movies made about the rest of the guys, only uh, Saul and, and uh, King David. So we're gonna look at the ones who get a little less press. And uh, we're gonna be going from Solomon to Josiah, if you're familiar with, if, you know, if, you, if, if you're familiar in the Old Testament. We're not gonna look at every king, but we're gonna go from, if you're a history buff, from like 1000 BC to the middle, like 640 BC. And, and uh, like I said earlier, we're primarily gonna be in the books of First, Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. And it's important to remember that the Old Testament has 39 books in it, and those books are categorized into different types of literature. And here's why that's important. Because as you're reading through the Old Testament, depending on what type of literature you're reading, it has major impact on one, how you read it, and two, how you interpret it. Right, so here's what I mean. If you, uh, and you may have heard this before, but if you, if you were gonna look at the Old Testament, here would be the categories that we'd see in the Old Testament. So the first five books are uh, Genesis to Deuteronomy, and they're uh, known as the books of Israel's beginnings, right? That's the category they fall under. And another name that we've, it may be familiar to many of us is they're called the, the Pentateuch, where penta means five, and tuk is what you wear on your head in the wintertime, okay, right? 
Can we settle that? No. <laughs> Tuk, <laughs> you're like, really? No, that's not what it means. Uh, Tuk, Penta 5, Tuk means scroll. That makes sense. Five books, five scrolls. Okay? The next 12 books, Joshua to Esther, they are known as the historical books. Kings and Chronicles fall under this category. They're historical books. Uh, next five are Job to Songs of Solomon, and they're called the poetry books or books of poetry. Okay, next, uh, see, there's one, always one or two people that are tracking. Okay, so the next five books then are Isaiah to Daniel, and they're the major prophets, and they're followed by the last 12, which are Hosea to Malachi, and they are minor prophets. Okay, now this is important, and here's, here's why. Because when you look at uh, Kings and Chronicles, like I said, they're historical books. Historical books are written as, as a narrative, right? So what we're going to be going through are stories, but they're not fictional stories, right? They're true stories. And here's one of the things. When you're reading uh, narrative in the Bible, here's some things you need to keep in mind. First one is this. Narratives record what happened, not necessarily what should have happened or what ought to happen every time. Therefore, not every narrative has an individual in, uh, identifiable moral of the story. Okay, and I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. Another thing to keep in mind when you're looking at narratives. What people do in narratives is not necessarily a good example for us. Frequently, it is just the opposite. And I guarantee as we go through this series, we're going to see that a lot. Third point. We are not always told at the end of a narrative whether, that, whether what happened was good or bad. We are expected to be able to judge that on the basis of what God has taught us directly and categorically elsewhere in Scripture. So what does that all mean? Here's where I'm going with that. Just because these stories are in the Bible and just because God is the primary character in them doesn't mean that the decisions, the attitudes, and the behaviors of the people are ones that we want to emulate, are ones that we want to follow. Right, because here's the thing, when you're looking at, you know, interpreting the Bible and drawing meaning out of the Bible, have you ever experienced this? I know I've done this and I've heard preachers do it where it's sort of like if someone walks up to a forest, this big massive forest, and they take uh, one leaf off one tree, and from that one leaf they, they try to define the whole forest. Does that make sense? It's like one obscure little section and you try to build a doctrine on it. That's dangerous. That's a dangerous way to interpret the Bible. So, uh, you know, for instance, if you're familiar with the story of Saul, the, you know, the first king of Israel, there's a story in 1 Samuel 15 where Saul, you know, yet again uh, has disobeyed God. God said, I want you to do this, and Saul didn't do it. And in the story, Samuel comes to Saul, and he confronts him, and that was wrong, and, and they argue, and then it says that basically they went separate ways, and it says in the Bible that they never saw each other again. Well, that's narrative. They're telling us what happened, but that's not an example for us on how to handle conflict or struggles in our relationships. Does that make sense? Okay, we're setting the table. Good. One last thing uh, in, in, in this section. As we read these, th uh, go through these stories, these narrative, these Old Testament stories, uh, just be aware that there are three different themes or three different levels of God's activity in these stories. And here's what I mean. The first one is this. The top level would be uh, God's dealings with all of humanity, 
Right? And so what, what I mean by that is that as, you, as we read through these stories, what's going on in, in, in the stories is there's this, the big picture, the Genesis to Revelations, this rescue mission of God where he's rescuing, rescuing the human race. We'll see that. I mean, and literally you'll see, oh, well, wait a minute, there in that old, that obscure Old Testament story, they're, they're referring to this here in the New Testament. It just seems to tie the Bible in as one big story. So that's the one, the top level. The middle level is this. It's God's dealings with the people of Israel. And we're gonna see a lot of that where it's you know, God dealing with his people. And one of the things that we can draw from that, it's a reminder that this, this thing isn't just about him and me, it's about him and us. It's a reminder that we're part of something way bigger than us. And then the final level, uh, what we'll see in these stories is God's dealings with the different individuals in the stories. And what, you, know, you see how God is a personal God, that he doesn't just you know, watch over all humanity, and he doesn't just watch over the people of Israel, he watches over you and me, he's a personal God. Okay, so how did we get to this place of God's people asking for a king? Because I thought God was their king. I thought, you know, that he was the one that ruled over them. Well, maybe you've seen the movie, The Ten Commandments. Uh, It's a great movie if you haven't seen it. Um, But if you're familiar with that story, you know, the people of Israel are enslaved in, in Egypt and God raises up a deliverer, a guy named Moses, And uh, through Moses, God leads his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and out into the wilderness. And then Moses gets old, and he dies. And uh, God raises up another leader, a young warrior named Joshua. And Joshua, he comes on, and he leads him into the promised land, all these battles, fighting all these nations. So Joshua leads him, but then Joshua, he gets old, and he dies. And then God starts... uh, uh, hand-picking judges, men and women, judges that are going to now lead his people. And basically, the judges, they function as mediators between God and his people. And so after Joshua, for the next 200 years of Israel's history, they're led by judges. And uh, what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at the final judge of Israel, whose name was Samuel. So this, now we're at number two in your notes. And you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. We're going to be uh, hanging out there for the rest of the message. 1 Samuel chapter 8. And like I said, Samuel uh, was the final judge of Israel. And we'll start with verse 1. It says this. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. Okay, we'll stop there. Uh, So here's Samuel. He's been the judge over Israel all these years. And he's been that mediator between them and God. and, And now he's getting old. And he has appointed his boys uh, to follow in his footsteps to be judges, to be leaders over the people of Israel. And historically, again, if you read through the book of Judges in the Old Testament, historically you'll see that uh, God was the one who did the appointing or choosing of judges. Judges weren't uh, dynastic, right? Judges meaning it, it didn't go from father to son to son to son to son. And we'll see as we look in this series on kings why that was a good thing, that God was the one selecting and it didn't just stay in the family. And... Uh, uh, 
so Samuel, either way, Samuel was tired and, uh, and, and he looked to his sons to step in uh, to take his place as a judge. Uh, but there was a problem. Verse three says this, his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted, uh, perverted justice. And here's the thing, leadership, if you sort of melt it down, leadership is there to bring uh, security and guidance, right? Think about, I mean, this week, all the different areas uh, in our lives where leaders are gonna function and a major part of their functioning is gonna to be to bring security and guidance. So moms and dads, you're gonna make decisions this week for the sake of your children that will bring security and guidance to them. Uh, you go to school, you've got teachers. Teachers are leaders, they have a, you know, they're, they're there to bring security and, and guidance. Or you go to work, you have supervisors, you have uh, bosses, you come to church, you have pastors, uh, we have government. Government's there to bring security and guidance to us. So you look at, you know, here's the, the, uh, the people of Israel, and they've been, they've been under a leader, Samuel, who's done a great job at that. He's brought security. I mean, if you're familiar with uh, chapter seven before uh, the one we're looking at today, they just whooped on the Philistines under Samuel's uh, leadership. He's brought security, there's guidance, there's prosperity in the land, but now the people are looking at Samuel and they're looking at his boys and they're getting really nervous. Let's read on in the story, verse eight, or sorry, verse four. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. So when we see their request, and here they are, they're, they're asking for a king. And this request reveals what's going on in the hearts of the people, right? And the first thing that's revealed is they're afraid. And uh, I, I can't say I blame them, right? They're afraid for their future because they're looking at Samuel and they're like, Samuel, no offense, man, we love you. You've been great, but you're getting old. And, and then they're looking at his boys and they're going, and these guys aren't like you. And they're looking at their future and their future's not bright, the future is scary. So the people are afraid, right? There's, they're, they're, they're looking ahead and they're like, this doesn't look good for us. So it shows their, their request shows their fear. Their request also shows something else going on in their hearts and it's a drift, right? And here's what I mean. There's been a, for them to ask for a king like all the other nations have, it shows that their hearts have drifted away from God, that they've drifted away from uh, dependence on him. They've drifted away from, you know, looking to him for help or trusting him or, you know, putting their faith in him as their king. And listen to this quote. Uh, the elders were asking, in making this, effect, uh, this request, the elders were asking, in effect, to opt out of the covenant with the Lord and to adopt a pagan model of being a nation. Right, and here's the thing. When I read that and I look at this situation, and I'm sure I'm not alone, I can relate to these people. Right? Here we are, we, know we get to look back on this story and see what they're doing and it's easy for, for us or I know it's easy for me to look at it and go, well, that, that's obviously a bad decision. Why, you need to stick with God. Why would you wanna go this way? But I can understand when I look at them, I can so relate to it because I don't know about you, but when I get scared, when I get afraid, when something comes my way that I just go, oh, I don't know what to do, 
there's, there's this incredible neediness rises up in me that I need help. I need someone to help me. Right, I read a, a, a lyric in a song where it says, troubles come our way, all around the battle rages, so we look for one who's stronger. See, and here's the thing. When you get afraid, when we get afraid, when stuff comes our way, you know, uh, crisis, whatever it is, that, that neediness that wells up, wells up in us, it's not weakness. It's wiring. It's how God made us. Think about that. It's not weakness. That neediness isn't weakness. It's wiring. It's how God made us. God made us to, to reach out to him, to respond to him, to turn to him. And here, but the problem was this is the people in their response were just responding the wrong way. They were looking the wrong direction. So they make this request to Samuel and he responds this way. Verse six. He says, but when they said, give us a king to lead us, This displeased Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will Uh, will claim as his rights. Now, we could learn, just as a side note, we can sure learn from Samuel, because when it says that that he was displeased by by this request that people made, that word displeased means that when he he heard their request, he saw it as wicked. That was a wicked thing that people were asking for. And what we can learn from Samuel is in that situation where you know he would have been royally ticked at that request as their, as their leader at the time, as their judge. And instead of reacting and responding, what does Samuel do? Just a second, you guys. He turns and he goes, and what does it say? So he prayed to the Lord. I mean, wouldn't that save you a lot of grief if you, mm, give me a second, let me back up here. Did you hear what they just said? Did you hear what they're asking for? Right, what do I say? How do I respond to this request? Because I know what I, you know, I, I'm sure Samuel had some, had a few uh, options of what he'd want to say. And what gets me and what's surprising to me is how God responds to their request. And I don't know about you, but I, uh, sort of a little fantasy, if I was God for one day, if I was God for one day, here's how I would have responded. If, you know, Sammy would have come to me and said, did you hear what they said? I would, I would have said this, Sammy? You march right back in there and remind those ungrateful people who brought you out of Egypt, who fed you and led you through all these years in the desert, who protected you from all your enemies. You're my people and I am your king. How dare you? How dare you go and ask for a king like all the other nations? That's what I would have said. But that's not what God says. That's not how he responds to this request. He basically says, okay, okay, give them, give them what they want. So was it wrong for them to ask for a king? And here's the thing. I don't think it was wrong to ask for a king. I don't think that's where they got off base. What I think is where they got off base was, again, like uh, they rejected God. They acted like they were orphans, right? So instead of, instead of going to Samuel and saying, hey, we're looking at you, you're getting old, we're looking at your boys, and there are a couple of yahoos. Please go to God and ask him what he sh- we should do. Please, Samuel, go to God. We need to hear his counsel. 
And that's where they got off base. They just, they, they disconnected and they were, you know, and they're, and they're looking over the fence at all these other nations around them and they're going, and they're, and they're going, you know, that's, that's what we need. We need a king like all these other nations have. And the amazing thing, what amazes me in this whole story is that God knew this day was gonna come. He knew this day would come when his people would ask for a king and it's like, and I'm not a programmer, but it's like, it's as if God programmed into their hard drive something in their computer that would come up at this time. Right? Okay, I, I don't know what I'm talking about now. Let's talk hockey. It's as if God. Okay, I'm gonna start to cry. But it's like in the past, he wrote something in their, in their past that, he knew, that, would, that would be there for them when they got to this point. That's what I'm trying to say. Deuteronomy 17, verse 14. God says this uh, through Moses. And listen to this. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, the promised land, and have taken possession of it and settled in it, and you say, let us set a king over us like all the nations around us, be sure to appoint over you a king the Lord your God chooses. He must be from among your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not, number two, he must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. Number three, he must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Let me just stop there. If you know the story of Solomon, which Danny's gonna look at next weekend, it's like Solomon, strike one, strike two, strike three, you're out of there, buddy. That's literally Solomon's life, which I think is amazing. Verse 18, when he takes the throne of his kingdom, here's what the king needs to do. He, needs, he is to write for himself on a scroll, a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priests. It is to be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord as God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he is, and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. You know, when I read that scripture, I literally sat back at my desk and I said out loud, man, God, you're smart. You're smart. Like, it, in some ways, it's, it was so refreshing just thinking that thing over to go, man, does he know us? Like he, he knows our weakness. He knows that when we get squeezed and we get afraid, he knows that we just, we're just so, we want help now. We want relief now, right? He knows us, right? He knew that the people uh, would be tempted. He knew that they would, you know, that they'd be looking over the fence at all these other nations and watching them interact with their king, Right, watching them, uh, you know, sort of uh, him riding amongst their king and protecting them, you know, security and guidance, him getting up, giving a speech to his people. They had observed that. They'd, you know, they'd, they, would, they would be looking at that and he knew they'd be tempted to have what they had. Listen to this quote. A king offered a strong, stable, and predictable center of political authority for a nation that otherwise had to, and here's the kicker, otherwise had to depend on an unseen God to unite them. And isn't that the rub? Or isn't that the, I don't know about you, but isn't that the thing you, you trip over all the time? We're following an invisible God. 
Like, I believe God's with us right now. I do. But man, I'd love to see it more. There's something in me that goes, you're making this tough. This is tough to believe when, it's, when you're invisible. See, because that's the, you know, the opposite of faith, this whole walk of faith, the opposite of faith isn't reason, right? Science. The opposite of faith is sight. If you have to see to believe, it's gonna be hard to follow God because we're, we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. So he knew that they'd be tempted. He knew that they'd wanna be like the other nations. He knew that when they, when they got squeezed, that they'd wanna have a king that they could see. So in advance, he lays out a plan for here's the kind of king you're gonna, you know, that the people will need. But then he also warned them. He also warned them through, through Samuel, verses 10 to 18, he warned them. Okay, you want, you want a king like, you know, an, an earthly king? Well, let me tell you what this king's gonna do. And I'm not gonna read uh, verses 10 through 18. You can read that later. But I wanna uh, point out, in those verses, in that section of scripture, there's one word that shows up uh, six times. And that word is take. You wanna know how an earthly king is gonna treat you? He's gonna take from you. He's gonna take your sons. He's gonna take your daughters. He's gonna take your stuff. He's gonna take your freedom. I mean, read those verses later today. He literally lays it out. and he, he literally says, it's going to be miserable for you. Right, he warns them. But you can see how far they've drifted. Because look how they respond in verse 19. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. We'll be able to see him. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. And that brings us to our series where we're gonna be looking at the you know, the lives of all these kings. And if you're familiar with it, you know it's a mess for the most part. It's a total, it's what God said would happen. So number three in your notes. So what can we expect then? As we go into this series and, you know, look at all these different kings, uh, I said this in the introduction that, you know, the Bible is like a mirror. It's like, you know, uh, as we read uh, the Bible, study the Bible, it's like standing in front of a mirror. And, and, and again, during this series, what we can expect is it's going to be a season for us as a church, it's like the, I was driving into work this morning, I thought, it's like we're all gonna get our annual spiritual instead of our annual physical. Okay, that was, it was powerful to me when I was driving this morning. I thought, that's gonna be the point. That's gonna, ooh, that's gonna drive it home. But uh, so we're gonna, we'll have an opportunity to stand before the mirror of God's word and, and uh, you know, in the, in the words of the psalmist, and I'm taking this from the message, Psalm 139 says, uh, verse 23, investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear pic- picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong, then guide me on the road to eternal life. In this series, it's gonna be a, just a wonderful opportunity to, to just come before, again, the mirror of God's word and take stock and to examine. And here's the thing, remember uh, when Danny did in January, did the gospel of wholeness, he said something, uh, we said a lot of things that we need to revisit, but one of the things he said that I thought was so helpful, he said, you know, there's a big difference between self-examination, remember this, and introspection. 
right? And so when I talk about us, you know, we're going into a series and we're going to stand before the mirror of God's word and taking stock and all this. Self-examination is what the, the, the psalmist is talking about in that in that those verses there self-examination is where we come and stand before this mirror and self-examination is 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 a god it's a uh uh, an internal tour where god is guiding right it's an internal tour so we stand in front of that mirror but we don't stand alone we stand in front of that mirror and god's right there with us right and he's looking at what we're seeing in the mirror and he's got his arm around the shoulder and, and in the season of this series, there's gonna be times where he's gonna look in the mirror and you'll be looking and, and you might be nervous, <laughs> I would be, and he's gonna go, you see that right there? You know, that one thing right there? That's what I'd love to, to talk about. Can we put that on the table? Could we spend some time just looking at that together? See, that's self-examination. That's what the psalm, psalmist is talking about because introspection, introspection on the other side is dangerous. Because introspection is, it's just you in front of the mirror and you're looking at yourself, right? And, the, and it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous because uh, in this room we have people that have an overactive conscience and so when you look in the mirror, you're instantly overwhelmed because you just see everything. Oh, I am a failure, right? You look in the mirror and there's like a, a list, a, a grocery list of stuff you need to work on, you need to fix, Right? On the other side, what makes it dangerous is there's people in this room that you have an underactive conscience. You're not going to get overwhelmed. You're going to disengage. You're going to look in the mirror and go, I'm good. And you're going to move on. We need God. In this series, we need God to come alongside and say, let me tell you this one thing. Here's, here's sort of a rule of thumb I use when I have a, just a blanket of you're a loser comes over me. I go, that's not God. But when there's a pinpoint of when you said those words to him I go oh that's God right so so if we go through this series if you just get this blanket of oh man that's not him that's not him so we're going to have lots of opportunity to stand in front of that mirror and here's some of the areas just to prime the pump if you will uh, some of the areas that I believe God's going to lean in in our lives and again it's some and I've picked five (coughs) excuse me Number one is this. You know, we're gonna be looking at the lives of all these uh, kings who, who, for the most part, were incredibly wealthy and they had great accomplishments. They would have been famous in the land. But one of the things that all these kings had in common is they're all dead, right? (laughs) They're all gone. And one of the things I I believe God's gonna do is for some of us, there's gonna be like an awakening that, wait a minute, my life has a beginning and my life has an end. There's gonna be like a sobering up, like you've only got one life. What are you doing with it? Right, we're gonna see that as we go through this series. That's for some. Number two, uh, um, when we look at the lives of these kings, when they came to the end of their lives, every king had something said about him to remember him. Right, and what I mean is this. You know, king so-and-so was a good king because he did what was right in the eyes of God. Or, and quite a bit, King so-and-so was a bad king because he did not do what was right in the eyes of God. And, and for some of us, there's gonna be a challenge as we go through this series is what's gonna be said about you, right? What, you know, there's a beginning to your life, there's an end to your life, what's gonna be your epitaph? What, how are you gonna be remembered? And so I just, the Lord's gonna stir in some of our hearts 
Third one, uh, uh, we're going to see as we go through this series that we have more in common with these kings than I think we would have originally thought. And what I mean by this, uh, compared to most of the planet, we as Americans live like kings. We live like kings. I mean, we have stuff at our fingertips that many, many, many people on this planet could only dream about. Wealth, opportunities, resources, comforts, freedoms, education, just on and on. And in this series of taking stock, I believe for some of us, there's gonna be a question. There's gonna be, God's gonna sit you down, look you in the eye and just say to you, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with what I've given you? Now, can you see why we need God to take us on this tour? Because already some of you are overwhelmed and you have blankets of, oh, I'm a loser. Just, you know, let it go, as the song says. But, but for some, God's gonna really lean in to your life. Uh, number four, like we saw in the people of Israel, they got, in, they got into a time of crisis and fear. They're afraid. Samuel, you're, you're getting old and your boys and, oh, no, what are we gonna do? And what did they do? They, 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 uh, uh, they were tempted to, and obviously they did, they wanted to have what the culture had, right? That's where they ran to for their help. They didn't run to God, they ran to the culture. And I believe for some of us during this series, we're in a season of crisis or a season of just hard stuff. And, and for, for many of us, there is a, uh, uh, there's a temptation to abandon God and run after something or someone we can see. And God wants to come alongside and show you, even in those hard, hard times where you just think, I don't know how he could do anything about this because it, it's money, what's he gonna do? Or, you know what I mean? It's like, like he's gonna come alongside and say, let me show you that I can be trusted. Let me show you that, I, that I, I've, I've got you covered. And then finally, the difference between a, a good king and a bad king was not determined by, well, this king was smarter than that king. Or this king was richer than that king. Or this king had a better army than that king. When you melt it all down, the difference between a good king and a bad king was uh, uh, one submitted to God, said yes to God, and the other didn't. All of them made mistakes. All of them blew it. But the difference the difference maker was one said yes to God and one said no to God. And I just, you know, as I was praying about it, I, I believe that there's a lot of our young people, you had a season of, you know, looking ahead to college and careers and all these different decisions you're making. We have people in this church that are at a, you know, you're having a career change. There's people, you're at a season of life change. And I believe for many of us, God's gonna come close and put an arm around our shoulder and say, you know, you want to succeed in this life, right? It starts by learning to say yes to God. And I believe God's going to drive that home. If you're in a place of asking questions about purpose and goals and all this stuff, which is good, but you don't want to do it alone. You want to, you know, lean into him and let him direct you, guide you, etc. through that. So why don't we stand up? All right. So here's how we're going to end off. You know, I was thinking, this is, is, this is sort of a different talk. I felt more like a school teacher at times. 
which didn't, didn't feel good. I'm, I don't think I'd be a good teacher. <laughs> I'm like, well, what do we do? How do you respond to this? Like, you know, should we, should we all build crowns or something and color them and get some glue guns? But, but um, here's the thought I had. So I was praying about it, and I, I just closed my eyes and said, well, what should we do this weekend? And instantly, and I wish it was always this way, but instantly I just sensed the Lord say, you just invite me and let me do my thing. And that's like, okay. <laughs> so here's what I want to do. I just want to, again, I was thinking back. Uh, we want to be a church that believes in and responds to the presence of God. Is God here right now? He is. Whether you feel it or not, he's here. And he knows you. And he's brought you here for a purpose. It's not just checking off the routine. He's got you here because there's something he's doing in your life. So I just want to take the time to close our eyes, and if it helps you, I find my posture helps. You can open your hands to receive, or it's a posture of I'm open to you, and I just want to invite the Lord just to come and, and, and move among us. So let's just invite him, and then we'll wait on him. So Lord, I, just, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you are a generous God that you love to come close, that we don't have to earn your presence, we don't have to earn your activity in our lives, we don't have to conjure you up, we just need to turn to you. Just turn to you. And I pray that you would come, just start moving among us. Lord, all these lives, all these people, and you know every detail of everyone's lives. So come, Holy Spirit. Just come and move among us. Come, Lord. Hmm. Lord, way beyond the music, way beyond the message. Lord, we are a people that believe in your presence. So we just we so value this time to just wait to it, it's, in a sense humble ourselves before you and say what do you say right now what are you doing right now just come Lord just come I just see the Lord. He's coming to some people. I just see, uh, it's like he's saying, I know you. Relax, I know you. Some people I just see, he's like he's wrapped around you. Just like a, just holding you. It's gonna be all right. I know you. Just come, Lord. So here's a thought I have that uh, I just have this, uh, this sense that God is stirring up gifts. He's stirring up gifts in us. And, I, and, 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 and what I mean is things that he put in you when he made you, right? Gifts, we call them spiritual gifts. And I just had a sense that people had, whether it's like, you know, uh, prophecy or healing or or or, you know, evangelism, missions, just all these, all these different ways that God shines through us. 
I just had this sense that he was stirring them up. And, and the way that you would know that it's happening is I felt like some people were having different sensations. You just became aware as we had that sort of quiet time of just waiting. And you felt either something in your hands or your feet or in your mouth, your tongue, your lips. And I had a sense that God was just sort of turning up the heat and he was bringing a gift up to the surface. And if that's you, we want to pray for you. We want to uh, bless that in you. Because God is reaching in and going, no, 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 this isn't dead. This is alive. He wants to bring it to the surface in your life. That was one group. Um, and then uh, I just had a sense, uh, uh, I was praying this morning, and I, I just closed my eyes, and I was thinking about all of you, and just thinking about this, you know, who would be here today? And I just saw us as an army. And there are people here today, I just saw there were soldiers that have, been, that have taken hits. You've been wounded. And, there's, uh, uh, and, and you need healing. There's people here, you're weary. You're a weary soldier. And you're not even sure what you're fighting for anymore. And God wants to come close and just, just show you himself. How wonderful he is. And give you a taste again of, you know, of his kingdom. Just to remind you, oh, that's right. It is worth it. It is worth it. So if that's you, we want to pray for you. And Danny, did you want to share? Did you want to share that word again? I had a, a picture the Lord gave me last night as we were praying. I, I think it is, it lines up right uh, with what Michael just shared. I, I had a picture of, and there were just many individuals who were just walking in this really dark tunnel. You just couldn't see in front of you. And there was this desire in, in so many of us, I just want to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I want to see where I get out of this this difficult time, out of this this. Uh, uh, dark time in, in my life. And, and in this picture, I was seeing the people just so feeling their way through the tunnel, looking, wanting, anticipating the end. And then the Lord sort of lifted me up, and, and the tunnel was just a circle. It was, and there was no end. And I thought, Lord, that's a, that's a, that's a dirty trick. Well, what's, what's that all about? And, and I felt like the Lord said, and don't build a theology on this, but the, the Lord just said, my desire is not simply just to bring people to out of the, the difficulties of, of this life, but to help them know and sense and walk with me in those difficult times. That I want them to, to be able to sense and recognize that I'm with them as they're walking through what are the normal, dark, difficult times in this world. Mm. So it's not his goal just to get us to the end so we can go off on our own. It's his goal that we learn to sense, walk with, and hold on to him mm. as we're walking through this life. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, just those of you who, who, who feel like you're, you're in that, that dark, difficult time, those of you who feel weary, like Michael is saying, just overwhelmed by, by life and just the battle, I, I do invite you to, to come forward. And, and let's make sure that everybody that comes to the front is someone who'd come alongside them, just put their hand on their, on their shoulder and just ask the presence of God would come and touch them. Go for it, Pam. Um, I, while we were praying there, I just had a picture of the Lord taking some of us through actually what was a vineyard. And uh, we were walking with him, and it was like, uh, he was pointing out places where we were not bearing fruit. And just like Michael was talking about, you know, standing alongside the Lord and him pointing something out, it's like we fear those things of like, oh, I'm not doing well in, in that area. 
But the Lord, as he was pointing those things out, says, I need to prune that because I want this area of your life to be fruitful. And so it was like the Lord was saying, you know, these areas that he wants to point out or, or show us is for our good. He wants us to have abundant life in these different areas. And so it's not something for us to fear that he points those areas out. It's actually for our good because he wants us to be fruitful in those areas. So if you do sense that there's areas that the Lord already might be pointing out, just respond and allow him to show you so that you can be fruitful in that area. That's awesome. So it seems like God's up to a lot this morning. So come on forward. JT's going to lead us in a song. Like Danny was saying, as people come, let's make sure someone prays for him. If you aren't getting prayer or praying for someone, worship. Enter into the song. Sing what we're singing. Sing over the people. But come on forward. Uh, we'll pray, and then I'll come up in a bit, and, and we'll end off the service. So we're going to need lots of prayers. So let's make sure everyone's got someone praying for them. And again, you don't need to give counsel. Just put a hand on the shoulder and invite the Holy Spirit. Just bless what he's doing. Let's make sure everyone's getting prayed for.
Lord, thank you for all the ways that you're coming close right now. I just see, I just see, you know, he's the good shepherd. I just see him walking amongst us, walking amongst all these sheep and just looking us over. And he's healing and, and hugging and comforting and encouraging. And so, Lord, we just thank you for all the ways that you are just being personal right now. And I pray, Lord, we just... We just commit this series to you, Lord, that you would, uh, we'll just, we welcome all that you have for us over the weeks to come. Lord, that you'll come to us as a church, you'll come to us as individuals, Lord. We just welcome all that you have for us, Lord. And I do pray, I pray that you'd protect us from guilt, from getting overwhelmed, uh, I thank you that you're a father who knows us and you know what we can handle. So we just trust you. We trust you in this, in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're getting prayer, don't feel like you have to rush, uh, but thanks so much for coming. Uh, don't forget, baptism uh, meeting, go through the visitor's welcome. There's signs there and someone will be there in about five minutes. But uh, thank you so much for coming.